This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Coming up on today's future award-winning Moranalytics podcast, something completely different for you today. For the first time, actually for the first time since launching this podcast, 187 episodes in, going solo today. No guests needed. I got plenty of stuff for you today. Podcast poll results. I got questions. I got comments. I got topics. I got takes. Plenty of stuff in the world of sports, pop culture, podcasting. Plenty coming up for you. I'll have that in just a minute. Before getting going, though, I need to let you know today's show is being supported by Pulse Cellular. Today's lifestyle demands the best in wireless. And with Pulse Cellular, you have the best options available. Switch to Pulse Cellular for unlimited talk, text, and high-speed data. Coast to coast with no contracts, no credit checks, no overage fees. One line for $65, or you can get four lines for just $45 each. Including hotspot, Wi-Fi call, and up to 50 gigs per line. For all you travelers out there, they got you covered in Canada and Mexico. Plus, text and data in over 210 countries worldwide. All with the best phones, or you can bring your own. That is pretty awesome. Get the best user experience on mobile at PulseCellular.com. And on that note, let's do it. Let's do it. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host. Patrick Moran. All right, what's going on, all you sexy beasts out there? How you doing? Hope all is well. We're Analytics Podcast, episode number 187. As always, thank you for listening and for downloading the show. If you haven't done so already, please go ahead, subscribe, rate and review, all that fun stuff. Let me tell you this right off the top here because this is the 187th episode, but this is going to be a first here, okay? Every single episode I've ever had of this podcast, I've always had a guest. Not going to be the case today for a couple of reasons. Number one, not completely by accident, but the most important reason why is, to be honest with you, man, I've just been very busy. It's been a very hectic week for me. And believe it or not, sometimes at least the process of getting a guest, coming up with an outline for what we're going to talk about and finding the time to do an interview, it just, it can be very arduous and time consuming. And I frankly just didn't have the time this week. Been very busy, a lot of stuff going on. Plus, I've kind of wanted to do this for a while. So I figured that this was the right episode, the right time to give it a shot. Certainly not something you're going to see often on this podcast. I want to let you know that too. So let me preface this. 
the meat, the potatoes of this podcast is, has, and always will be having a guest on and having conversations. In fact, want to let you know that over the next few weeks, I'm very excited. I got some really good guests coming on. Many of them are going to be first-time guests, and I'm going to get back to that long-form conversation interview that I like to do so very much when I get the chance. So I'm really looking forward to some good episodes coming up. And by the way, not just sports guests. I'm not going to say who, but got a couple pretty significant people coming on the show who, again, will be on for the first time. So look for that in the coming weeks, but let's just lock into today. And I'm not going to make this a particularly long episode. I'm going to kind of get through the stuff as quickly as possible and get you out of there. Because again, I value your time and I know how precious it is. And like I say at the end of every episode, and I'm sure I will today too, it just, it humbles me and I'm very appreciative for your time listening to the show. So not going to bullshit around here a lot. Here's what we're doing today. I got some polls that I ran on Twitter, Bill's related polls. I'm going to tell you what they are, discuss the results, and I'll give you my take on them, maybe a couple of years. And then I put out um, on Twitter and Facebook, my social media, an opportunity for you guys, the listeners out there, to send me some takes, some topics to talk about, some questions, which I do still have. But here is also another problem. And again, this has just been a crazy week for me. I actually typed out a really extensive list with names and everything from you. But I saved it onto a file on another laptop, one that I don't have access to today. So shortly before I'm taping this, later on Thursday, I kind of scrambled to put this stuff together. So it might be a little bit sloppy. And in some cases, I don't even have names associated with these topics or questions. But whatever, it doesn't matter. Going to talk some bills, going to talk a little bit of savers, and then a couple of other topics as well. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on all of them. Let's get started with a couple polls. So there's four of them. Three of them are mine. One of them are from someone else. And the first one, again, these are all Buffalo Bills related. I asked uh, listeners out there, fans, who's been the most pleasant surprise for 2019? And the nominees were Jordan Phillips, John Feliciano, Quinn in Spain, and Shaq Lawson. Now, I like, for the record, all four of these guys. I thought all four of them were a pleasant surprise and the fans voted. And by the way, there's at least four to 500 for each category of vote. So that's more than enough sample size that I think that uh, it would play pretty true to even a larger sampling. Jordan Phillips, 40%, he won. John Feliciano was second at 26.1. Quinn in Spain at 18.5 and Check Lawson at 15.3%. I like Jordan Phillips a lot, I think. He would have been in the conversation for team MVP were it not for Trey White, to be honest with you. He's a surprise in a way, but I don't know that he, I don't know that I personally would vote for him. In fact, I didn't. And I say this meaning I liked Jordan Phillips last year. I thought he flashed a lot of potential and with a bigger role this year, which he did get, he showed what he could do. So I'm surprised. Yes, but not the most. The person I'm most surprised by me personally is John Feliciano. And that's because I think I had of these four, the lowest expectation. I thought at best he was going to be a depth guy. And at worst, he was going to be a roster bubble guy when he signed as a free agent. I think he signed a two-year deal with the Bills this offseason. By the way, just another guy that Brandon Bean completely nailed. What a great signing he was. He was a rock. He was really good at right guard. 
one of the most unheralded, unheralded, under the radar, good Buffalo Bills of 2019. No question about it. Quinn Spain, I like, but I don't know that he played better than I thought. I thought he was a pretty decent guard. He started for the last few years at Tennessee. They plugged him in. He was a day one left guard on this team. Feliciano, I don't think he went into camp. I can't remember for sure, but I don't think he was projected to go to camp and be the starting right guard this year. In fact, I kind of think Cody Ford was going to be the right guard and Niseki was going to be the right tackle. At least that's how I thought it was going to play out anyway. But Feliciano was outstanding, so I personally would have gave it to him. All four guys played very well. I'll talk about Shaq Moore in just a few minutes. Moving on, next category was another Bills poll. 2019 Rookie of the Year. The candidates were Devin Singletary, Ed Oliver, and Cody Ford. No surprises here at all. Devin Singletary won huge. 70.9% of the vote. Ed Oliver had 23.7 and Cody Ford 4.5. Again, another category where I really like all the candidates. I agree with Devin Singletary being the rookie of the year. And that's despite getting held back considerably early in the season. Not a lot of touches. And then he had the hamstring injury, which hampered him, stunted his uh, progression a little bit more. But he was a featured back by the end of the year. In fact, I wish he would have been a little more. Had almost 800 yards rushing, almost 200 yards receiving. Very good football player. In fact, you know, that first category I said most pleasant surprise, I probably would have liked to add Singletary to that. And what I mean by that is this. I knew he was a good running back. I know he's quick. I knew he had the ability to make people miss, but I didn't know that this kid could run and get tough yards in between tackles. He slips tackles inside too, in the gaps. He'll even run you over a little bit. So I really liked him a lot. I agree with that pick, but that's because this is on an entire season. I think the second half of the season, Ed Oliver was the best Bills rookie. In fact, he was one of the best players on the team the second half of the season. I would say going forward, he might turn out to be the best rookie of this crop, which he should. I mean, he's a top 10 pick. So after a bit of a slow start, which to be fair for a defensive tackle or rookie, that's not unexpected. I thought he played very well. So I liked that Oliver a lot, especially the second half of the year. Love him going forward. And Cody Ford is a guy who, I'll tell you, I mean, I was a little bit hard on him at times. I know a lot of fans, a lot of media were. It's tough to play right tackle in the NFL, especially when you're a rookie. And especially when a lot of people think you should be a guard, thinking you're better off on the inside, struggling with that speed rusher on the outside. I'll tell you, I mean, I certainly wouldn't vote for him for rookie of the year. He only got four and a half percent of the vote. But I think he improved well. I think he played well. You take these three guys and you take Dawson Knox and you got four, going forward at least anyway, four considerably good, potentially great starters from this draft. I mean, man, if you want to know the biggest reason why the Bills are a playoff team now and why the tone of this team is so different, you can look at free agency, you can look at trades, but the biggest thing you need to look at is the draft. Because I'll tell you what, this team has really hit on drafts the past three years. And I know Brandon Bean was only here for the last two, so I can't give him all the credit. Sean McDermott's the one constant over these last three years. But I just ran off four starters. And then you go back to last year, 2018, and you got Josh Allen and Tremaine Edmonds, two cornerstones on this team. You got Phillips, you got Teron Johnson. Those are two at least part-time starters. Combine them both. That's three solid starters and a minimum right there. Go back the year before, even better. 
That was before Bean got here. You had Trey White, Deion Dawkins in the second, Matt Milano in the fifth. Are you kidding me? That's three core players, three big parts, the nucleus of this football team in one draft. That's 10 guys, 11 guys right there. I just ran off in the last three drafts that are a very important part of this football team. And that 2017, I'll tell you what, that draft could end up going down. Now Trey White, arguably, not arguably, he is one of the best corners in the NFL. Deion Dawkins looked really good at left tackle. Even in the year, very worried about him because he stunk in 2018. I mean, let's be real here. He was, he was shitty. But he played great this year. And I love Matt Milano. Not, not much needs to be said about him. Anyway, that draft, that might be the best Bills draft since maybe 85. We had Bruce Smith, Andre Reid, two Hall of Famers, Frank Reich. The reason why the Bills went to that third Super Bowl, Derek Burles is a pretty solid corner. It's a great drafting. And anyway, getting off track here. Yeah, I'm, I'm good with Devin Singletary being Rookie of the Year. He should be. Next one, and this wasn't mine. Actually, my buddy Tone Pucks, who is an occasional segment guest on this show. We do Pablo Pucks from time to time. Been a while, though. He had a poll where he asked, who'd you rather have as a Bills starting quarterback next year? Almost 800 people voted on this, too, by the way. Josh Allen or Cam Newton? No surprise here. Josh Allen won. But what I am a little surprised about is he got 93.4% of the vote, whereas Cam Newton only got 6.6%. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, um, that's, that's almost feels sketchy to me. I got to be honest with you. That's obviously a bunch of Bills fans voting there. And let me preface this by saying I would also vote for Josh Allen, but it's more because I fear that Cam Newton is damaged goods for permanently at this point. I'm not sure he's going to ever be completely healthy again. I have no idea what his future is. I'll say this. If Cam Newton was, if he got a clean bill, if he, if he got cut from Carolina tomorrow and he has a complete clean bill of health, he's 100% healthy, he's declared that. And I were the Bills and I had an opportunity for him to be my quarterback next year. I think that's a very fair conversation to have. I mean, Josh Allen is that guy who, if he becomes what you want him to become, realistically, I mean, you want him to become Tom Brady, that shit ain't happening. But you want him to re realistically become what he's capable of, I would say he would be what Cam Newton was before Cam got hurt and became potentially, anyway, damaged goods. 93.4 sounds a lot. I would love to know if this was done, like, say, on NFL.com, on a national platform, what those results would be. What do you think? I would say Josh Allen would win, but I would say he gets maybe 60 to 63% of the votes. 93.4% of the votes over Cam Newton is just a, a former MVP who's still young enough if he can get healthy. That's kind of uh, that's kind of ridiculous for me. Anyway, moving on. I got one more poll here. This was one of mine. I asked if you could only re-sign one. That's all you could do is one of these three. Quentin Spain, Jordan Phillips, or Jack Lawson. Who would it be? Mildly surprised at these results, but not completely. Quentin Spain won easily at 62%. Jack Lawson was at 25%, and Jordan Phillips was at 13%. First of all, my first thought is, pretty goddamn amazing how things could change in a half of a football season, because I can promise you, if I put this up 
at the halfway point of last season, Quinn and Spain would not have won, and he certainly would not have gotten 62% of the vote or whatever the final tally ends up being. I like him a lot, and I absolutely want him back, and I see why people who voted for him, why they did. If you bring back Quinn and Spain, your entire offensive line is completely intact, plus you have Ty Inseki, so you got your top six offensive linemen back if you retain Quinn in Spain, if you could sign him, who, by the way, has probably paid himself into a, uh, he's played himself into a nice payday this offseason. It's deserved. And he's also only 28. I don't know why. I thought like when he came here, he was like in his early to mid thirties even, and not the case at all. But anyway, he was very solid. I read that he didn't even give up a sack this year. So I totally get that logic, that reasoning, especially with a young quarterback like Josh Allen, you want your offensive line to have as much continuity as possible. And if you bring him back, the entire line's back. I'll tell you that I wouldn't pick Jordan Phillips. And I got to preface this. I used that word already like four times out in this episode preface. But it's important to say this. I love Jordan Phillips. I thought he played great this year. Nine and a half sacks. I think he had the most sacks among any defensive tackle in the AFC. Tons of splash plays, and he did that playing far less snaps than a lot of uh, the quote-unquote elite guys out there, the highest-paid guys. So I like him plenty. Wasn't the most consistent guy on the team, but I really like him a lot. I thought he played well, and I certainly thought he deserved to be in the Pro Bowl. It was absolute fucking ridiculous that I think he was on like a fifth alternate or some stupid shit like that. that was, that's a travesty. But here's why I don't pick him. First of all, somebody, it happens every free agency, and you know this, somebody is going to give that guy a lot of money. And he should go get it, by the way. He's earned it. Go get that money. It happens every year. A guy gets a lot more than you think he's going to. Jordan Phillips is that prime candidate to be that guy this year. Let him go somewhere else, though. There's two reasons why I say that. Number one is the obvious. You have Ed Oliver. You drafted him ninth. He showed over the second half of the season that he could be a stud. I like him a lot. He might eventually become the best player on this football team. Certainly, maybe the best player on the front seven over the next year or so. He showed that he's ready. So if you give Jordan Phillips all this money, Ed Oliver's starting. Jordan Phillips, I said he had this production with a couple hundred snaps less than some of the guys like Aaron Darnold and some of these other guys out there. Well, guess what? Next year, they ain't going to get no better. In fact, this snap count might get less because you're going to want to see more and more and more of Ed Oliver, as you should. So that's one reason why you don't bring Jordan Phillips back. Which kind of, t- well, hold on. Let me be careful here. You don't bring Jordan Phillips back at the rate that I think that he's going to command in the open market. Now, if you're talking just five, five and a half million a year, yeah, I want Jordan Phillips back. Hell yeah, I do. But if it's going to be eight, nine, 10 million or more, you got to let him walk. And then the second reason is because of the future, the immediate future of this football team. Yeah, you got 90 million in cap room. That's fantastic. But guess what? You got a lot of guys in the next 12 to 18 months beyond this class that you need to worry about. Matt Milano will be a free agent after next year. Deion Dawkins could be a free agent after next year. 
You're going to make a decision. Do you make Trey White one of, if not the highest paid corners in the NFL? He's certainly earned that. You got all these guys. Then you got younger guys whose contracts will be up after that. So you can't keep everybody despite having a good cap. So when you got a guy like Ed Oliver who's ready to take that next step, presumably I certainly think he is, and Jordan Phillips is up to get the kind of payday that's on power with being a, one of the better defensive tackles in the NFL, he's got to go get it somewhere else. So I don't pick him. Who I do pick, by the way, is Shaq Lawson. And the reason being is I think he's ascending into the type of player that we wanted him to be. Now, he was certainly was in the first couple of years. He underachieved, a little bit mediocre maybe. But not every player comes in the NFL and is dominant after two years. Sometimes it takes a couple of years for it to, to click in, to get it. And I kind of feel like that was the case with Shaq Lawson this year. I think he was the best defensive end on this team, and I don't think it was that close either. He led the defensive ends with six and a half sacks. And he already has been one of the best run defenders in the entire NFL. Certainly the best run defender on the Buffalo Bills. So to me, you take that guy with not a lot of depth behind him. If you lose Jordan Phillips, you got Ed Oliver, who's arguably better. If you lose Shaq Lawson, who's on this team is better than him? I don't think Trent Murphy's better. I don't hate Trent Murphy. I thought he played well, especially the second half of the season, I should say, at least anyway. But I'm bringing back Shaq Lawson because he's a bigger need and he's a player at a position where I don't want to go out having to have looking for a premium defensive end in free agency or the draft because there's other areas of this team I really want to focus on, especially wide receiver, maybe a second cornerback, an upgrade over Levi Wallace or Kevin Johnson. So if I can bring back Shaq Lawson, I'm going to keep that unit intact completely for another year. Now, you could cut Trent Murphy if you re-sign Shaq, and you could save, like I don't know, somewhere between 5 to $7 million, and you have a little bit of a lesser hold than you did if you lose Shaq, but I don't want to hold defensive end at all. You know, if you're going to lose Jordan Phillips, you had a small, not a big one, but a smaller hole to fill at defensive tackle. Let's keep the defensive ends intact. I really like him a lot. I think Shaq Lawson's improved a little bit each year. And it also shows, maybe this isn't a big deal to you, but some players around the league, it might be. I, I feel like Brandon Bean would be rewarding a guy for showing his, his improvement. So I like Spain a lot, and I mean a lot. But when it comes to this, and I can only pick one, it's definitely going to be Shaq Lawson that I keep. Let's take a quick break. Want to let you know today's episode is being supported by Sounds Assured. So look, it seems that everyone out there has a podcast today. I spent a lot of time listening to them. And the biggest mistake that I hear, I can almost instantly tell. In fact, almost all the time, many people make this mistake. You go out, spend all your money on fancy microphones and boom arms, interfaces, recording devices, headphones, all the bells and whistles. But here's the problem. You get all this stuff and you don't treat your recording environment. I'm talking about mainly your walls, your ceiling, the result. Despite all the money you spent, all the stuff you got, the audio still sounds like crap. Listen, you need to invest in acoustic treatments. You got to make the gear that you spend your hard-earned money on thrive. Sounds assured is top-notch acoustic foam. I know this because I personally have some of my own home studio furnished by Sounds Assured. It's available in multiple sizes with very reasonably priced and this is the most important thing, excellent quality. It's actually good stuff. You can go on Amazon and get the cheapest stuff out there. 
And trust me, I've done it too. It might look the part, but it doesn't work. Sounds Assured definitely does. Again, folks, invest in your audio the right way. Visit SoundsAssured.com. In fact, give them a call. Someone will be more than happy to discuss your needs with you. As a bonus, use promo code Moran10. You'll get 10% off any order. Do yourself, do your podcast, do your audio production a very big favor. Go check out SoundsAssured.com. All right, moving on. And I don't have the name in front of me. I was asked about my thoughts on the rumor that the Bills and the Dolphins may end up playing a game in London this coming season. And the quick answer is I hate it. I hate it a lot. Don't want it to happen. I like playing on Sundays. It's just how I am as a fan. I'm talking about obviously not as a player. I like the routine of playing on Sundays. I mean, if it's Sunday night or Monday night or even Thursday night, I can live with that too. Frankly, from a fan perspective, I ain't trying to get up Sunday morning at freaking nine o'clock to watch a Bills game. It's just it's not the same and I don't feel like I'm into it. And I don't have any stats to, to back this up, but I feel like every time these teams go to London and play, it has a negative effect on them. So I want nothing to do with London at all. That's one reason, especially if it's going to cost the Bills a home game, because I feel like it's a big competitive advantage for the Bills to play at New Era Field, especially against Miami. To me, that's almost like a guaranteed win at home. So I don't want it there. And actually, frankly, I don't want it in Miami either because that's an opportunity for me. I live about three hours on the Gulf Coast away from Miami. I could go take a drive. I haven't in two years, but I had before. I could go take a ride. And I could watch the Bills play in Miami. So I absolutely hope that that's a rumor that does not pan out. Don't want it at all. I was also asked about my take on Brian Dable being denied permission to interview for the Giants OC job. Joe Judge is a new coach there. Apparently really likes him a lot. And him obviously not getting the job, the head coaching job with Cleveland and him being back for another season. My, my take on that. My take on it is I'm thrilled about it. Okay. I, I love it. I like Brian Dable a lot. I know how easy it is. And I'm listen, I'm guilty of it myself sometimes. Blaming the offensive coordinator. And there are, he's not perfect. There's signs I've been pretty pissed off in. I'm a couple of cutesy calls where I'm like, why are you doing this? A couple of times where I felt like the Bills were too conservative. Um, sometimes Frank Gore running the ball. I'm like, why is Devin Singletary? And why is the ball not in his hands? He's clearly the better running back. Josh Allen being exposed on some running plays designed that I didn't like those either. So far from perfect. But having said that, I like him as a coordinator. I love the concept of Josh Allen getting another year with the same coordinator. I think year three is absolutely critical for Josh Allen. I mean, I'm not uncovering any big stone here and telling you something you don't already know. But next year is huge for Josh. I want the same coordinator. And again, it's easy to blame the guy when things don't go right. But think about that playoff game, okay? It's, Brian Gable's not why Duke Williams didn't haul down that touchdown pass right before the half. Brian Dable's not the reason why John Brown couldn't drag his toes in bounds and, and have a first down for the Bills inside the five first and goal. And Brian Dable's certainly not the reason why Dawson Knox flat out missed a block on Cunningham and that overtime design run, that sweep by Josh Allen, that if Dawson Knox does his job, Josh Allen goes on that right sideline. Worst case is in decent field goal range with the first down. And that's worst case. Who knows what happens? Josh beats one guy, maybe scores a touchdown. This is an overtime. Houston doesn't get the ball back a second time. The Bills probably win that game. That was a great call. I didn't like it at first until I saw the play. And it was dialed up perfectly. Dawson Knox just didn't do his job. If he does, completely different outcome. So uh, yeah, long story short here, I'm very happy that Brian Dable is going to be back with the 
Bills for another year. I've been asked a couple times, Super Bowl rooting interest. This is an easy question, and I'll keep it short and sweet. I want the Chiefs to win, and I want the Chiefs to win not because I'm a lifelong Chiefs fan. I don't give a shit about their history. I don't care about Joe Montana, Steve DeBerg, Christian DeCoy, anyone else. I want the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl because my man, Damone Harris, former Timon, former UB football player, very close personal family friend of mine. He's playing for the Chiefs. Not only is he on the roster, he's actually playing. He's playing meaningful defensive snaps. He played 36 snaps last week against Houston. So 100% all in for the Kansas City Chiefs. Another question I got, well, it kind of reads more like a complaint than a question. Why don't I discuss the Sabres enough or more on the podcast? Why don't I? Well, two reasons. Number one, at this point, is because of the first half hour what we've been talking about, and that's the Bills. The Bills are relevant right now. They're a good football team. I don't like to mix it up too much. I, if I talk Bills, I don't like that Bills and Sabres and vice versa, whatever. So the Bills have been good this year, man. They're 10-6, and six, and for the first time, or actually the second time, because they made the playoffs in 2017 too, usually by Thanksgiving, we'd be discussing mock drafts, free agents, who they're going to keep, who they're not. But this year, we were talking about games, meaningful games leading into the playoffs. So covering the Bills, frankly, was more fun and, and more interesting, which kind of leads to the second part of my answer here. I mean, the Sabres are kind of boring right now. I mean, let's be honest here. I know diehards don't want to hear that, but it's the truth. They're not good, and they're not particularly an entertaining hockey team. Jack Eichel is an exception. Obviously, he's playing at an MVP level, which kind of pisses me off even more because they're wasting a year of this guy's prime. Hate it. But anyway, you got him. You got Darlene Skinner, who's hurt. Olsen, who's hurt. Reinhardt. And not much else, man. They're not a very fun hockey team. So that's the biggest reason, the most honest answer anyway, that I could give you. Now, having said that, that's going to change. In fact, just on Tuesday's episode, I had a great conversation with Chris Baker from Sabres Prospects. And now the Bill season's over. I'll have plenty of more Sabres talk. But yeah, that's the biggest reason why. Next up. So earlier this week, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame announced its 2020 inductees and Torius B.I.G. was on there. And I kind of, I got a little bit, not a lot, a little bit of backlash though, because I, I complained about B.I.G. being on there. And let me tell you this right off the bat, it sure is shitty because I'm not a rap fan. I love rap music, especially old school rap. And I'm not one of those guys who says rappers don't belong in the Hall of Fame that there should be their own Hall of Fame for rappers, just like there should be a pop music Hall of Fame or a folk music Hall of Fame. Nah, bullshit. To me, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is for all music. So I'm perfectly good with the genre, all genres being represented in one big Hall of Fame. You can call whatever you want. But at the end of the day, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is really a music Hall of Fame. My problem with B.I.G. being in the Hall of Fame, and, and let me say this too, I was a big fan of his, is that he only had a four-year career, a little over four years. Certainly not his fault. It's tragic what happened to him. It sucks. And who knows? He might have went on to make 10 great albums. Been the greatest rapper ever. But he only had a four-year career before he was murdered. He only had two studio albums. One collaboration album with Junior Mafia. You know, by comparison, because I know Tupac vs. Biggie has always been the thing. Because I'm more of a Tupac guy, to be honest with you. And he's more deserving to be in the hall. But he's also had Tupac had four albums when he was alive. Did more collaborations. Became a big movie star. He was in Juice, Poetic Justice. He was in tons of stuff. Just 
a, a bigger personality, a bigger icon in music than B.I.G. And I, I'll tell you real quick here. It's kind of like for me, like using to use a football analogy. DeAndre Hopkins has probably been the best receiver in the NFL. Certainly one of two. Michael Thomas being the other over, say, the last four years. But if DeAndre Hopkins never played football again after this season, let's just say that game against Kansas City last week, that's the last time you ever see him play football again. Does DeAndre Hopkins go into Hall of Fame if he never does another thing in the NFL? I don't think he does. He had a great run. Very, I mean, God, one of the best receivers in the league, no question. But I don't put him in the Hall of Fame if he doesn't do more. It's kind of how I feel about B.I.G. And again, that's just my take on it. And I'll admit this too. Part of it is because I'm really pissed off at Pat Benatar. How does Pat Benatar not? And Judas Priest too. But Pat Benatar, how is he not in the Hall of Fame? Now she's an icon in female rock music, pop rock in the 80s and the 70s. Actually beyond that, the 70s. She's put out tons of hits. How is she not in the Hall of Fame but B.I.G. is? Just bothers me. Anyway, next section, I have these in my notes and I'm not really going to get into it. Uh, people want, how did the wings thing start? What, why I'm so involved with chicken wing stuff. I'm not going to get in that story again. I'm just not going to do it. I, I've talked about it more than enough on this podcast. Go look in show notes of past episodes in detail. The only thing I will say is that my last trip to Buffalo a couple of weeks ago, I did hit seven new spots. So I am up to 67 spots. In fact, the seven spots I did hit on Tuesday's show, I did a segment and I, uh, I ran those seven places down. I had takes and thoughts on each of those. And I'll say this too. I have a, in fact, it's at the very top, pinned to the top of my blog, moranalytics.com. I have the power rankings for my wings, one through 60. I'm going to be updating that soon. It'll be for winter slash spring of 2020, and it'll be 67. There'll be some changes, some maneuvering around. The one big change I'm going to make, and this is kind of, I'll have this discussion more in depth another time, but. I feel like one thing I've been doing wrong with my chicken wings is comparing apples to oranges, and I don't think that's right. And what I, what I mean is this. A chicken wing at 9-11, like their best wing, is their traditional medium. A chicken wing at Elmo's, which is a very popular place, their signature wing isn't medium. It's a hot Cajun double dip. Those are two completely different animals right there. Elmo's, if I, if I had the same exact wing at every place, which a lot of people think I should, and just ranked them that way, Elmo's ain't going to be, they're number three on my chart going into my latest updates. They're not going to be because their regular traditional medium ain't that good. But their Cajun double dip is right there with the 911 traditional medium. So I'm going to kind of break those off into separate categories. I'm going to have regular traditional wings and then specialty wings. So look for that in the coming days and weeks uh, on my Twitter. So there'll be plenty more about that. All right, last few things. Greg on Facebook want to know, how do you feel about living in Florida and what are the biggest differences and similarities between Florida and Buffalo? That's a, that's a, that's a good question. I, I like Florida because it's nice. The weather, I mean, look, that goes without saying. I'm not telling you anything you don't already know. It's beautiful. It's nice to be able in January to walk around in t-shirt and shorts. Although some people would rather have ice and snow so they can go skiing and ice skating, especially if you're up from Buffalo. That's completely understandable. I'm soft, man. I don't like to be cold. I never did. When I was a kid and everyone was out building forts and having snowball fights and 
skating in their backyards and shit like that. You know what I was doing? I was in the house, freaking warm, watching TV, being nice and warm. So I'm not a winter guy, and I never have been. So that's the thing about Florida. It's nice. But having said that, Buffalo's just, I miss Buffalo because I miss people. And it's not to say people in Florida are, are bad people. I just think people in Buffalo are better. It's more, and there's assholes in Buffalo, just like there's assholes down here in Florida and assholes, I'm sure, in every state and city in the country. No question. There's just better people in Buffalo as a whole. Neighborhoods mean more. Communities mean more. Maybe because you do spend four months a year, at least some people hibernating because of the weather. It feels like when it's springtime, summer, the, the, everything's just alive. You know, where's Florida? It's always green. The grass is always green. The, the, the leaves are never brown. It, it gets a little old. In terms of differences, I mean, night and day, obviously, weather is one thing. I just talked about people being another. I don't think there are any similarities. I'm not saying one's better or worse than the other. They're just so radically different. Lifestyle, vibe, everything. So I would say Florida's nicer, but Buffalo's better. That, that would be the best answer I can come up with. So anyway, I'm going to end with a few things about actually podcasting itself. Got a couple questions. My favorite local and national podcast. Locally, I like the Nick and Nolan show a lot. That's on Wednesdays. I talked about Bruce Nolan earlier. The Nick and Nolan show Wednesdays, Buffalo Rumblings Podcast Network. I'll tell you, him and Nick Bat, by the way. Nick, does he's a good host, man. He really sets it up well does his homework. He's the one who does the editing, the producing, comes up with a lot of the topics and kind of narrates Bruce where he needs to go. But Bruce, man, he is as good at talking about the bills as anyone out there, mainstream or non-mainstream. It does not matter. It's a fan podcast that does not sound like it's a fan podcast. Sounds very much like the Bills beat with Joe B and Matt Fairburn, who, by the way, that would probably be my other pick for my favorite local podcast for sure. But anyway, Nick and Nolan, really good show. Those are my two main local ones. Beyond the Blade, I, I listen to that. There's a Sabres podcast a lot. Cover One, I listen to that plenty. I like that as well. Nationally, the only national sports podcast I listen to regularly is part of my take. Beyond that, I listen to Mark Marin's podcast all the time. And I listen to, uh, uh, I, I forgot the name of his actual podcast, but it's the one with Dax Shepard. It's a really good interview podcast to some extent kind of like what I inspired me to do mine and, and kind of have the format not this episode but generally speaking the way I like to do my podcast so those are probably my favorite in terms of let's see next one here your favorite guests and best and worst episodes oh boy that's tough favorite guests is pretty much impossible to answer and I'm not just trying to sound politically correct I can run off any of a hundred people and I'd be telling you the truth because I loved so many people that I've had on. I'll say this, at least recently, Marcel Louis Jacques from ESPN.com. I had him on. We did a Wings Wish show, and I really like talking to him a lot. So he was definitely one of them. And then another one off the top of my head, I would say, is Eric Wood. We've become good friends. We, he's done the show three times. We got together for Wings last summer in Buffalo at uh, Sunny Reds in Lackawanna. That was fun. We text each other a lot, usually about wings or just all kinds of other stuff too. So Eric's become a friend, well-spoken and a great guest. So I really like him. So I'd probably say maybe an M2, at least that's how I feel right now. 
best and worst episodes. Yeah, I, you know what? I do actually do. I'm not going to play politically correct here. I do have one specific episode that I like more than any of the other ones. I had Paul Hamilton from WGR on. I don't know what episode it was. It was sometime last year. Didn't know much about him coming in. Honestly, wasn't the biggest Paul Hamilton fan. I kind of feel like he's one of those guys who gets really snippy with fans, treats some of them shitty, blocks you real easy. So I was kind of trepidatious going into that. And frankly, I don't know what he thought of me. He even knows anything much about me, but he agreed to do the podcast. And I'm so glad he did because, man, that was such a good episode. And I got a lot of feedback from people who aren't necessarily hockey people who told me it was a great show. I know Paul got a lot of really good feedback. Very honest guy, very open, good storyteller. Just, I, I really enjoyed that one a lot. In terms of the worst, well, <laughs> by the time this is over, this actually might be the worst. But besides this episode, I'm not going to name any names, but I'm just going to say this. There's been a couple times where I've had a guest on and they've been great during the interview. But then they would do nothing afterwards when the episode was out to even do anything to help promote it, which I just, that baffles me. If you're going to spend an hour of your life talking to somebody about your life, your career, your takes, your, your favorites, your least favorite stuff, things like that, why would you not want your fans to listen? How hard is it to hit a retweet button or hit a share button on Facebook? It takes like a half second. Fed a handful of people, and again, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to name names, but to do a show and then not lift up a finger to, to help promote it, uh, uh, those are probably my, my more worst episodes, or certainly my least favorite guests anyway. Uh, all right, so here we go. And this is the last question. We're going to wrap this up here. Your favorite and least favorite things about having a podcast. Oh, boy. I don't have a least favorite thing about having a podcast. Honestly, and that's the truth. I would say occasionally there's stuff that I wish I could be doing that I can't because I have to do a taping or do a podcast. I guess that could be a little bit of a pain in the ass sometimes where maybe there's a party going on or an event going on and I have to miss it because I have a scheduled recording. And that does happen from time to time. So that's a, a least favorite part. Maybe another thing is I think sometimes, in fact, I talked with Chris Baker from Sabres Prospects about this earlier this week, in fact, in the last episode. It can be a little bit difficult sometimes finding the motivation to keep going and the grind and the, to have enthusiasm about producing the next episode because, when, especially me, because I do two shows a week, not one. The second your show's done, it's out there. and You've done what you got to do. You immediately got to focus on the next one. So it, it doesn't end. There's no off season. I don't, I have two shows a week. I don't have seasons where I do 20 shows and then I take off three months. I don't do that. In fact, I've had 187 episodes and even during Christmas, I've had at least one episode, if not two, every week since I've started this podcast in uh, winter of 2018. So the grind could be difficult sometimes, but anyway, it's not, I don't, I don't hate it. In fact, I, I, I like it for the most part. On the other hand, my favorite thing, there's a few, honestly. Making some money is not even close to being number one, by the way. I like developing relationships a lot. I like having guests on. Very proud of some of the guests that I've been able to have on. And I know this might come off as smug, but 
when I started this podcast, I didn't know that I was going to have people like Adam Schefter and Lee Steinberg and Josina Anderson on, or, you know, growing up a Bills fan, a teenager during the Super Bowl years, getting an opportunity to go one-on-one and having these long-form interviews with guys like Will Wolford and Don Beebe, Steve Christie, many others. It's just been a huge thrill. So that's a very obvious one. And I'll tell you two more too. Another one is I like being creative. And I know that sounds kind of stupid, but when you create an episode, and I'm not just talking about my show, anyone who does, you're coming up with a topic, you're coming up with at least some unique stuff that you haven't done before. So it's no different than an artist drawing something and then moving on to the next one and they get excited about that or a musician who might write a couple of lines, a couple of bars, going on to the next one, the next song. So creating something different twice a week, in my case, is a, is a big uh, thrill of mine, one of my favorite things. And then the last thing, and I know this might sound stupid to you, but it, it's not to me, is I feel like I've just become a better communicator because of this podcast. Before starting this, I was more of a writer, at least want to be writer anyway, and a little more introverted. Like I would have, I'd be okay at conversations, but they were mainly with friends and family. Now, because of this show, I've learned to talk so much better. I've learned to listen better because of this podcast. I could sit there and hold court conversations with complete strangers and be engaging, at least somewhat engaging, and know what to ask and ask the right questions to engage them as well. So I kind of feel like it's, it's bettered me as a communicator and I'm much more willing now to go somewhere and, and just talk to someone, even if I've never met that person in my life and end up having a half hour conversation. It happens all the time. So that's probably my favorite things about being a podcaster. My other favorite thing is you guys listening. And I mean that too. That just still blows my mind sometimes. But anyway, that's going to wrap this up. In fact, that's going to wrap it up for today's episode. I want to thank our show sponsors, Sounds Assured, Pulse Cellular, and of course, our good friends over at 26 Shirts. I also want to ask for a favor, you guys out there listening. If you haven't done so already, please go ahead, subscribe to this podcast, rate and review. I can't emphasize this enough. It really helps me continue to grow this podcast. In fact, it helps me grow it a lot. You can find us on Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Spotify, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are found. New shows every Tuesday, every Friday. When you subscribe, they're going to get sent to you first. Also, go hit up the Miranda Letters Podcast YouTube channel. Got podcast highlight clips from current and past shows up there. Some new original audio content coming as well. Last but not least, don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Pat Moran Tweets. I'm constantly tweeting out podcast updates, upcoming guests, polls, some of them we talked about just today, prize pack giveaways, thoughts, banner with listeners, all kinds of other stuff. Thank you again so much for listening. I say it all the time. This is how I end the podcast because how I want to, because I mean, it. I truly appreciate each and every single one of you out there taking time from your busy day to give me a listen, no matter where you are, your car, your office, the gym, home, doesn't matter. Means the world to me. You guys are the best. So thank you very much. Have a good weekend. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Which, by the way, I promise you, going to have a guest. I'll catch you on the flippity flip.
Bye.